Alleluia, Christ is risen. Jesus said to his disciples, Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the disciples witnessed Jesus praying. He would go off a great while before daybreak and pray every day before retiring in the evening. He would go off to a solitary place and pray. So they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, indicating that prayer rests on the foundation of God's word. They prayed together individually. They prayed together corporately. On the night of his betrayal, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. But they fell asleep. What, could you not watch with me? Watch one hour lest you fall into temptation. And they had not the strength. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then the apostle Paul says to the church and to every individual Christian, pray without ceasing. And, of course, that does not characterize our lives. In today's gospel, Jesus talks with his disciples about prayer, about their faith and love for him, about his love and his Father's love for them. He talks with them about the fullness of joy, about how they will scatter from him when he suffers, about how the world is full of tribulation, about how peace is found only in Jesus' words, the words of him who has overcome the world. He talked with them about being of good cheer because the victory was certain. It is finished. Rogate means pray, or more specifically, pray ye, or maybe if we're down south, we'd say, y'all pray. Prayer is the theme for this Sunday. Prayer is the voice of faith in Jesus. It bespeaks always a relationship with another. Prayer is the cry of the church and her ministers Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray to God the Father because we love his Son and we believe in his Son and we have come to know the Father through the Son. We pray because our brothers and sisters in Christ need us. And we need them. 
We pray because the world needs us. Luther said the prayers of the church and of Christians preserve the world. Try telling that to someone who doesn't even believe that there is a God. We pray because suffering causes us to run away from the Lord as it caused the disciples to run away from him. We pray because the world is full of tribulation and we don't have the strength to endure it. We pray because the Lord wants us, believe it or not, to be of good cheer and to find our joy in him. And that giving and receiving in the relationship that we have with Jesus, where he gives and we receive and we rejoice in his gifts and we cry out to him for more and he delights to give. We pray because the church survives by the strength of her Lord. We depend upon him. And so Jesus said to his disciples, most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. I think for most of us, when we hear teaching and instruction on prayer, when we hear Jesus teach us, when we are given the Lord's Prayer, we tend to think of prayer only in individualistic terms. And by that I mean... I am to pray, I am to cry out to God for all that I need. But what's interesting about the gift of the Lord's Prayer and Jesus' catechesis on Holy Thursday night is the pronouns are in the plural. You see it in the Old English, like the King James Bible, or if you read Greek, you can see the distinction between singular pronoun you and plural pronoun you. But in most of our modern translations, we lose it, and so we tend to think only of ourselves. Now, today is Mother's Day, and those of you who are mothers understand that your life was radically changed in perspective once you gave birth to your first child. How your mind and heart and affections and care and concerns were directed to another. This teaches us something very important about what it is to be human, made in the image and likeness of God, and what it is to pray as Christians. Our prayers as Christians are always to be corporate prayers, even when we are praying by ourselves. Notice in the liturgy, from beginning to end, how those prayers, like in the confession of sins, we have sinned. Or in the litany, in peace, let us pray to the Lord. Notice how those prayers are always establishing and based upon this great truth that we are yoked together. So we ought to read the words of Jesus in the gospel for today. Whatsoever y'all shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. 
Hitherto ye have asked, we could use the old king's English, nothing in my name, ask and y'all shall receive that your joy may be full. This is why we, we can never simply worship individually. There is nothing like gathering corporately where the joy of the Lord is expressed in the great songs of the church. You can't do that on the couch and over YouTube. Throughout his catechesis on Thursday night of Holy Week, Jesus is emphasizing this plural you. And this makes all the difference in the world for understanding the life of prayer and also grasping how prayer in this way is a basis for our joy, our joy together in the Lord Jesus. It makes all the difference as it emphasizes that although each one of us is called to faith in the Lord Jesus individually, that faith in the Lord Jesus, my faith in him, yokes me with others in my world, in the body of Christ. It yokes me together with them in faith and love. My faith in Jesus yokes me to you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. It was emphasized by the circuit visitor at my ordination, the importance of the, of the pastor to pray for the congregation because it turned his affections, his concerns away from himself to the congregation. Just as faith looks outside of itself to Christ, Prayer looks outside of itself in concern for others. Again, you mamas, how many times have your prayers, since you gave birth to your first child, and throughout your life, even as your children have gone into adulthood, have been about your children, that they would be preserved from harm, that they would be preserved steadfast in the true faith? Now, this does not mean that we don't pray for ourselves. But when I pray to be a faithful husband, it is for the sake of my wife. Or when you mamas pray to be faithful mothers, it's for the sake of your children. When I pray to be a faithful pastor, it is for the sake of the congregation. And when there is conflict in the church, we're all cut from the same cloth. No matter how much it's that other guy's fault, my brother's fault, or my sister's fault, it is by my fault, by my own most grievous fault. And so we, in the body of Christ, pray for mercy, forbearance, patience, and forgiveness for one another. All too often, dare I say this, our prayers are a form of idolatry. Lord God, fix this. Lord, bend to my will. Why isn't this happening? Please, God, I've got to have this. Lord, if I don't have that, I don't know how I'll survive. That's idolatrous prayer. And so, when we pray in this way, no wonder there is little peace. Remember St. Paul's words? 
The Lord is at hand in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer in Jesus' name rests upon the promises of the gospel, of God's grace and love for every weak and helpless Christian, because only Christians can truly pray, having been touched by the love of God in Jesus and the promises of the gospel. And so we pray together, and we pray for one another. But before we can begin to pray, we must also learn that this relationship is a baptismal relationship. How many of you mothers have, because of the transgressions of your children, a particular prodigal child, have said to yourself, I'm done with them. I no longer love them. I will no longer pray for them. I don't think there's a one of you that would do that. If that is true of you as mothers, though sinful and weak, how much more is that the promise of God in the relationship that he has established with you in the waters of holy baptism? It is a stronger relationship of love and commitment by God the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the unity and power of the Holy Spirit than any relationship of any parent with his, his or her child. And that is of great comfort. It means that for you and I, individually as Christians, and also within the body of Christ, that to cry out to Him on the basis of His love for us in Jesus, He never turns a deaf ear to His baptized children. Never. And this is so very comforting. We must also learn on this Rogate Sunday, as we look forward to this celebration of the ascension of our Lord, which He will all come to on Wednesday night at 6.30, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father Pray, praying for us, interceding for us. In, in the gospel for today, there's this uh, curious line where he says, I don't say that I pray for you to the Father, for the Father himself loves you. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't pray for us, but what he wants us to understand is that both the Father and the Son are united in this compassionate promise of familial love for us. The Father loves us. The Son loves us. And so we have bold access to the throne of grace. Jesus prayed for his disciples that they would receive the gospel, that they would trust in the word of God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We heard that in the high priestly prayer this week in the congregation at prayer. He prayed that they would forgive one another as he had forgiven them, so that others would know that they are his disciples as they forgive one another. He prayed that they would be given the strength to endure persecution without fear. And he also prayed that they would be restored when they had fallen, 
In St. Luke's Passion, Jesus told Peter, Simon, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Isn't that wonderful? Even when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was thinking of you. And he was thinking of me. It is as if in his prayers he was saying, I have to do this. I have to drink this cup. Though, Father, I don't want to be separated from you, shorn from you, I must do this because you love them and I love you. And together we desire them to be restored to us. That's what prayer in Jesus' name is all about. No wonder Jesus says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, at the time Jesus spoke those words, the disciples hadn't even begun to fully grasp the significance of the words and promises of God, nor the significance, the intimacy, the holy communion of their prayers with the Father through the Son. Ask that your joy may be full. Jesus found his joy and his joy was made full by the Father. When his prayers for his disciples were answered, when they received his word, when in the upper room he said, peace be with you, and they embraced him in faith, when they returned to him in repentance, when they faithfully preached the gospel and endured suffering as he had done, and when they carried his word to the ends of the earth that others might receive the gift of salvation, Jesus' joy was made full, like that of a mama when her children returned the love to her that she so freely gave to them, when she sees in them that her prayers are answered. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd like to give you some practical advice today. Using prayer books like the Lutheran prayer book is not an unspiritual thing to do. In our frailty and in our weakness, to take up the hymnal and to pray hymns or to take up the Lutheran prayer book and to pray that, frees our mind and heart in those prayers to focus upon the promises of God. And so it is fitting. That the best way to learn to pray is to pray. And so let us pray. Heavenly Father, our faith as Christians is constantly under attack by the devil who tempts us to doubt your word. He wants us to rely upon ourselves, to follow our own appetites and desires, to indulge ourself in selfishness and pride, to do what makes us happy at the expense of others. We confess the weakness of our own sinful nature. 
We want to do and be all the things to which Satan tempts us. Nevertheless, through your Son, you have promised to deliver us from temptation. In our baptism, you have given us a new heart and a new spirit and a relationship with you that trusts in you and loves you above all things. It is the mind of Christ. According to your promise, Heavenly Father, rescue us from the devil's attacks. Bind us together in the body of Christ in faith and love. Deliver us from evil. Strengthen our faith in Christ. Teach us to trust in him, not because we are strong, but precisely because we are weak and feel our weakness. Cast away our doubts of your love. Forgive our sins as you have promised. Give us true love and compassion for one another. Create in us clean hearts. Restore in us the confident joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.